0: This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores.
1: This is Hall of Famer Alan Fanica, and you're listening to Ira and Clark on the iTest for Two.
0: Welcome to the second half of this week's Daylight Savings Time edition of the I-Test for 2. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we're Hall of Fame voters. And we're joined, as always, by our Hall of Fame producer, Ian Glendon. But Ian's not alone today because we do have a special guest, and that's former Rams and Eagles quarterback, and now CEO QB Ron Jaworski, aka the Polish Rifle. And honestly, I already know this, one of the most popular sports figures in Philadelphia history. Jaws, first of all, thanks so much for joining us. And second, what exactly is a CEO QB?
2: Well, I mean, when you're a CEO, you have a lot to do and you wear a lot of hats. So a CEO quarterback has a lot to do and wear a lot of hats. So I am Jaws, the CEO QB. And by the way, it's great to be with you guys. And thanks for all the hard work that you put into Uh, Getting the right people in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Ira and I, through the years, have had many discussions about uh, those that are worthy of uh, getting to a Hall of Fame. And, And I must say, I worked with the National Football League and Roger Goodell on selecting the top 100 players of the first 100 years of the NFL And man, was that hard. So uh, you guys have to do that every single year, make tough decisions. And uh, for the most part, I agree with you guys. always a few that I'm on the edge with, but uh, I know how hard you guys work to get it right. So thank you for uh, giving the game a piece of your heart.
0: You know, I'll be honest with you. It's rare when we ever hear anyone say, you got something right, honestly. Uh, and, And what Aaron always usually say is, well, if you want to get that guy in, who are you going to take out? You tell me who you want to take out, and that makes it a little more difficult. But since you opened the conversation on that subject, Jaws, I'm going to ask you about a discussion that we're having within the group, and that's first ballot Hall of Famers. There's really been an epidemic of that lately, as you probably know. Uh, Three of the last four years, we've had three first ballot Hall of Famers in each class. So Of the last 20 Hall of Famers, 10 have been first ballot Hall of Famers. That used to be a little bit rare. I mean, it used to be unusual. There was a real distinction. There was a Unitas. There was a Jim Brown, Jerry Rice. But now it's not so much. What's your definition of a first ballot Hall of Famer?
2: Uh, First of all, I agree. I think it's becoming too easy to get in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. Um, When I think of a Hall of Famer, I think of some extraordinary athlete, Who's accomplished extraordinary things. And, and, and usually, uh, you know, you, you kind of know, you kind of get a sense. I'm, I'm a football wonk, so I, you know, I'm, I'm probably a little different than most people, but, um, you know, I, I kind of get a sense, y- yes or no to a guy. But but I think we have to be very careful. And this came up a lot in the top 100 players in the first 100 years of the NFL, uh, the eras of players. You know, too many people just look at stats. The game right now is, is, is you know, it, it's all stats. The, the guys now, you gonna be the 32nd ranked quarterback in this league and you have better stats than probably every hall of famer. And and that, that's, that's not fair to the guys that played in another era. You know, and I I may use myself an example. When I retired, statistically, I was better than 13 hall of fame quarterbacks. Statistically, I'm not saying I'm a hall of famer, but if people wanted to make a case of which Ray Dinger at one time did, he said, you know, your stats are better than 13 Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But, it, you know, so that's what a lot of people look at. Now, I'm not saying I was a Hall of Fame quarterback, but when, you know, the most people that don't have a trained eye for the selection committee what you guys did, yeah, he had great numbers. He deserves to be in. Um, so that, that's always how I look at it. Sometimes guys are numbers guys, and they're not worthy of a first ballot Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned trained eye because that's why we call this the eye test for two because there are people in that room who are as uh, old, or as I say, Ira, as experienced as the two of us are, <laughs> and who we have been around, you know, and been around. Yeah, yeah. And 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 we're old enough, I mean, I certainly was old enough to watch Unitas when I was a kid. And, and yeah. I always said to my dad, I've never seen anyone play like this. And I remember my father saying, well, geez, I, I watched Otto Graham. I mean, Otto Graham was really <laughs> good. And,
1: yeah.
0: and and he certainly was. But I think you're on to something because I've said to Ira for a while, I do think that the fascination with numbers, but especially fantasy football numbers now is oh, so yeah. complicating the process because when we're in that room and we're talking about the eye test, fewer and fewer people are saying, I'm really not sure what you're talking about. Look at these numbers and you can do whatever you want with numbers. You really can.
2: Yeah, you really can. And, and a lot of people use, you know, as a sales point, you know, to for their particular candidate. I, I, I'm a little bit different. Uh, if I, I, I like to look at one number. I think that's important. Winning. Um, right, right. I think when you get to professional football, not maybe more important at the quarterback position, but I think it's important at every position. I think when you get to the professional level, it's about winning. You're you you you're a paid athlete. You're paid to win football games, and it's something that I've always held in high esteem as I rank quarterbacks because I've always felt you know, and Ira and I for many many years did having discussions. The heartbeat of a football team is the quarterback. You know, you, yeah, right. you know, guys out in Tampa, you saw that firsthand this year. You get a guy that's in there that knows how to win as a leader is, a, is you know, is, and knows how to, how to lead a football team. To me, that, that goes a long way, not always about stats, but about wins at that position. Cause you are the face of a football team. You're the face of a city. You're the face of the organization. And I think you have to hold yourself to a higher standard.
0: Well, as a former teammate of yours, once said, Herman
2: Edwards, you play the game to win. You're downright. right. Oh, no, he did. He said, you play to win the game. You play <laughs> to win the game.
1: Okay. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Ron, one of the guys that we got right, Ron, we got it right, and I know it's going to bring a smile to your face, is uh, your favorite target in Philly, Ron. And I don't mean a cheesesteak sandwich, Ronnie. (laughs) uh, But, Ron, I mean a guy who went to three straight Pro Bowls, catching passes from Ron Jaworski, second team all decade. Ron, Harold Carmichael, obviously big in stature, Uh, but also, Ron, big in production. Um, What's your feelings about Harold Carmichael getting a bust in Canton?
2: I am so pumped up to be in Canton in early August when Harold gets that that bust of him, you know, uh, uh, enshrined in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, Harold and I, to this day, are dear, dear friends. And, you know, many of us that played with Harold knew the character of the man, not only on the field, but off the field. I mean, we lobbied hard for Harold because he deserved it. You know, there was a a 10-year stretch from probably 72 to 82. He was the most productive wide receiver in the game. Now, that may pale to some of the numbers that we're seeing now, but Harold was absolutely a dominant player. And when I came to Philadelphia in 1977, I was awestruck. Six-foot-seven, 235-pound wide receiver with hands that touched the ground as he would walk, big, long arms. I mean – I, it, was, it was such an honor for me to play with such an incredible athlete, but even more so, and, and I you know, we talked about candidates, the, 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 the caliber of the person that Harold is, was absolutely amazing, team leader, emotional leader, um, hardworking guy. We, we would throw 36,000 balls in the offseason at Veterans Stadium. That's how we got better. 36,000. I counted them one year. Harold <laughs> <So>, <laughs> be out there every single, you know, Monday, Wednesday and Friday, Sid Gilman's our quarterback coach and working on our craft. So I know the time Harold put in, he deserves to be in the hall of fame, not only the numbers, the wins, but the, the person that he is well-deserved.
1: And Ron, I think uh, you and I both agree. If he was six foot one, He'd still be a heck of a player, no he question. still would have been a heck yeah. of a player. Yeah, it should sure made made a lot easier
2: for me, though. At six foot seven, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ron, you uh, you retired at 38, Ron 38, yeah. and uh, you referred to Mr. Thomas Brady, uh, down here in Tampa, number 12. Ron, still going, he's going to be 44 in August. Uh, Ron, uh, a lot of talk about the Bucks extending his contract, maybe, uh, you know, squeeze out a little bit more money towards the salary cap. Ron, that would sound crazy for anybody else, Ron, that's 43 years old, but Ron, I I take it, you've never seen anybody like this guy.
2: Yeah, what about George Blanda? I mean, <laughs> we remember him. That's a, yeah, yeah, you're he right, Clark. He was a kicker at the end, right? We remember George Blanda. <laughs> yeah. hey, I actually played against George Blanda, believe it or not. Did you really? My wow. rookie year, I'm with the Los Angeles Rams, as you said a moment ago. Yeah. We played the Raiders with George Blanda. Well, he was just kicking at that time. Going, right. Right. Oh, probably one of the last few guys that played against George Blanda. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you, and I remember watching him as a kid growing up in Buffalo because I was a big Buffalo Bills fan and he was with the you know, the Houston Oilers at the time and George Blanda yep. and Charlie Hennigan and that whole group oh. and Billy Tolar and Charlie Tolar because you know those guys, boy, it was it was I got I got good memories. Me too. But, but, Billy but Ron, you've uh, Ron, you've never seen anybody like like this Brady no. guy, right? No, and you know uh, uh, Ira, we spoke about this, you know, a few weeks back um i call games for westwood one uh, radio on radio and i had a, the uh, the uh, bucks game up in new york now again you can't get near the field you can't so i got down as far as i could to the field because i always like to watch quarterback when i was calling games on television i'd like to get down near the field i'd like to see the ball come out of the quarterback's hand how it spins how the velocity is how the mechanics are kind of a you know like i said i'm a long for that position and i studied i went down there, i'm watching brady I'm going He's far hash, 20-yard comeback, left sideline. This thing has to be a laser, like 10 feet off the ground. He has thrown that ball with ease. I'm going, this sucker's 43 years old, and he is making this throw like he's 21? That, that's the litmus test, test throw for I use for collegiate quarterbacks when I evaluate them. Here's Tom Brady at 43, throwing the ball with great velocity, tremendous accuracy. And then when I look at the tape on Monday, which I still do with my large screen right up there in front of me, the mechanics are perfect, perfect. And when I talk about quarterbacks, you want to be great in this league, you better be consistent with your mechanics and you got to be coached hard. And Tom, not only, you know, coaches himself hard, but he's got guys that will coach him hard in Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich.
0: We're speaking with Ron Jaworski on the eye test for two and Ron, uh, because of that, do you see, or could you see Tom Brady playing beyond 45?
2: Hell yeah. I'm, I, I, you know, I, I, I did it uh, at last year's Super Bowl. Tom and I did a chalk talk prior to the uh, 49ers uh, Kansas City Super Bowl yeah. and uh, for, for Bridgestone Tires. And Tom was pissed because he wasn't playing. <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> and he walks in and there's a couple hundred people from Bridgestone. They're top salespeople. And Tom walks Him and I met for like a half hour before just to kind of go over what we're going to talk about and He's so intense. it was Super Bowl morning he wasn't playing. he still got that intensity that, that's how Tom is. but we walk out on the stage and he's got like this five gallon drum of water you know and he, so around and like every three minutes he's chugging his water. So he is so disciplined and not only how he plays the quarterback position but how he lives his life and takes care of his body. What
0: do you think? that people are missing about Tom Brady because every year they can't wait to bury the guy. Now I live up in New England and last year they were saying, he's finished, he's over the, he's, he's finished. And I watched those games and, and I thought, wait a second. I mean, I'm looking at some of his targets and and Julian ah. Edelman, I mean, he's, he's a good receiver, you know, but he's not yeah. the number one receiver. Uh, James White, guy, nice coming out of the backfield, but you're not probably gonna win championships if those are your, your best weapons. And yet he's gone so far with guys who are sort of lesser talents than most people. And yet every year, even at the beginning of this year, if you remember people said he's finished, I mean, come on, he's finished. Good. Goodbye. What are they missing? What is, is it the element that makes this guy so good at the age of 45, that he can still get another ring. At yeah, 44? Right, here.
2: R- yeah. we're right here, Clark. It, it, it's here and here. And, and, you know, he's got the heart to play the game. Uh, he's, got, he's got, he can will victory. Uh, he's an incredible leader and he's smart. What he did this year is 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 is, is absolutely mind boggling to me. Right, and, and I'll, I'll say it for this reason, and not to be too long. This was a pandemic year, a pandemic year. There was no coordination with quarterbacks, receivers, except if you went to the park down the street. You know, there was no training camp. There was no preseason games. He didn't know the hints, indicators, anything about this receiving core. He walks on week one, open opening regular season game against the Saints. He never really worked with these guys. From where he was week one to the Super Bowl performance was absolutely magnificent, and he got better every single week. Yeah, there's bumps in the roads. You know, defenses are good in this league, but I saw Tom work through those challenges, and he kept pressing hard. You know, they ran the ball, they they used the tight ends, and, and the team evolved. Whereas the last quarter of the season, they were playing great football, yeah. great football, and anyone that doubted their ability to get the Super Bowl was dead wrong. But whatever I see, Tom. I talk about this today, Tom, you know, it's just amazing. You were the 199th player drafted, you know, he drafted in the sixth round and he would get up like this. Damn it. You know, he he gets ticked off that he still carries that chip on his shoulder that he was a sixth round pick in the 199th player. So he, that's, that's what motivates him. Yeah, Everyone's him. got something in, in their system that motivates them that still pisses Tom off. Well, what's going to, what's going to cause him to step away from the game. Do you think? Um, probably an injury. It, it, it's usually how it ends. Um, he's been, you know, luckily only one serious injury in his whole career, um, you know, against the Chiefs when he, when he, he got hurt. God, that was a long time ago uh, when Matt Castle came in. But, I mean, other than that, he's been fairly healthy, the normal bumps and bruises, but nothing severe. But, you know, it, it'll probably be some fluke play where some defensive end rolls up on the back of his leg and tears a ligament or something, and then he'll be 44, 45, and, you know, you don't heal as fast, no matter how good you take care of yourself. The body doesn't heal as quickly. have.
1: Ron. Um, we do our research on this show, Jaws. Uh, I believe you made six hundred G's in nineteen eighty six, Ron. And <laughs> and Ron, here comes hey. here comes Mister Prescott hey. <laughs> uh, get, getting hundred and twenty six mil guaranteed. Um, Ron, what what? Uh, <laughs> Uh, Ron, you were born too early. You were born yeah. too early. That that's it. Um, hey. How far can these salaries go, Ron? Are we are we, uh, are we uh, have we maxed out? What's going on?
2: No. Hey, first of all, it's fantastic. I think you know Roger Goodell, the NFL, the Players Association. They've done a great job of growing the game. I mean, I, we we love football. And by the way, you can't see it, but on my wall there's a picture of me back in 1981. When I signed my contract with the Philadelphia Eagles, I just was a league MVP in 80. We lost to the Super Bowl, unfortunately, but got a new five-year contract. The headline is Jaworski highest paid Eagle ever, ever, right? <laughs> $400,000. I was actually the highest paid player in the NFL Wow. for about three weeks. Wow. Um, Archie Manning got like 410 a few weeks later. Then Bob Greasy got like 425 these are thousand dollar increments, (laughs) you know, now it's like, okay, you go from 26 million to 30 million to 35 million, you know, they're huge. They're huge increases. But Hey, I think the game is great. That the players are the game. And whenever I talk about the salaries of players and the hardships of the game, the average NFL career is 3.1 years, guys. Don't ever forget that these guys may make money. They don't last very long. You know, and hey, when Uncle takes his share, and their agent takes their share, and whatever the other shares go, they don't walk away with as much money as people think. But the average career to this day is still three point one years—the average career of an NFL player.
1: Ron, I just saw a picture of you, Ron, with a plate of Chilean sea bass <laughs> and a and a white chocolate martini at the uh, Valley Brook Country Club. Um, Ron, I'm going to kill
2: my wife, Ira. I'm gonna-
1: <laughs> um, Ron, that's one of seven golf properties that, yep. that you oversee.
2: Um, how's the golf business, Ron? And, and uh, how much do you enjoy it? Uh, I, I, own an, I own and operate. So I'm in charge of the operations as well. So I got great people that do a fantastic job. My wife and son do the heavy lifting. You know, I go around and schmooze people and, you know, get nine holes in whenever I can. Uh, but the golf business is absolutely booming right now in this pandemic area. It's safe, it's outdoors, and everyone seems to be playing golf. So, as i say saying that, I'm knocking on wood right now. But the golf business is very, very good.
0: We're speaking with Ron Jaworski on the Eye Test for Two. And Ron, uh, when is Ira going to get a tee time up there? Anytime he wants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey,
2: I, I would like to get a plug in after you know this year for the 37th straight year. I'm running my celebrity golf tournament. And by the way, I've had Tom Brady. I've had Johnny wow. Unitas. I'm, I go way, way back. I've had the, the, the best of the best play in my tournament. We've raised over $6 million for at-risk youth in our community. So I am very proud of what uh, my foundation has done. We build football fields, baseball fields, playgrounds, and give nutritious food to kids. So we've raised over $6 million bucks. Now it took 36 years, but that's a lot of money to raise. And the 37th is happening down in Atlantic City on the, the 27th and 28th of June. So get a little plug-in for my, my hardworking guys.
0: Oh, you should get plug on. that. And 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 we'll plug you, Ron, because I was just looking at your resume. You have a medal from Pope John Paul II. Yeah. I think that was 1979, you and Joe Pisarczyk. You're an Ed Block Courage Award winner, a recipient, and I know about the Ed Block Award because I've worked in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You're in the Youngstown State Sports Hall of Fame. You're in the Polish American Hall of Fame. You've been inducted to the Eagles Honor Roll. You've been honored by the United Way with its Volunteer Leadership Award, which is its highest honor. And the list really goes on and on. I, I, could, I could spend a couple minutes going on. But those are all significant achievements. W- which is the most significant to you?
2: My teammates. Um, I, I think when, when all said and done, you know, the, the awards are nice, the, the accomplishments are nice. Uh, but as time goes on, I think more about my teammates and, and how much they meant to me when you, when you play the consummate team game in football. So, uh, whenever we have our reunions and Dick Vermeule still hosts a golf tournament every year, kind of a reunion of our 80 Super Bowl team. And. Um, uh, you know, we all get together and of course, by now we've won the game, uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh but it's, I, I think the memories of, of my teammates are, and, and the laughs and giggles that, uh, you know, the losses are forgotten. The injuries are forgotten, but those, those memories of, of the individuals, they'll, they'll sustain themselves forever. In my opinion, I hope Dick brings the wine. Oh, he always brought the wine is <laughs> the best. He's got that vineyard out there in, in a valley. So he, he does well.
1: Ron, I got one more for you. Thanks so much for
2: doing this, Ronnie.
1: And I, we can't let you go, Mr. Jaworski. Hey, hey
2: bring me back again. I always <laughs> got time to talk to you guys. I love this kind of round table. We could make this the eye test for three. Let's, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yes.
1: um, Ron, we cannot let you go without one painful memory, my friend. And, Ron, I've said this on my podcast, and I've been to Canton four or five times like you have, and, and I've told Clark, you know, there's one guy – that I think stands above all these Hall of Famers, and I named Jim Brown. Ron, Jim Brown is just like at a different level. But, Ron, on the other side of the football, the guy that might be on this other level among the Hall of Famers is a guy that you play twice a year, Mr. Jaworski. You still got a couple of bruises. Um, For guys that never seen him, Ron, for listeners of this podcast, what was it like about playing Lawrence? taylor
2: you had to do that didn't you i'm having a really <laughs> i'm having a really nice day nice conversation here with my friends and you got to throw out number 56 lt thank you very much Ira. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever not double team him front oh yeah we point? did we did and and uh, buddy ryan made one of the most moronic decisions ever uh, when he became the head coach of the eagles in 1986 and i remember like it was yesterday we had keith byers who was a rookie in our backfield and I now played against LT for like five years. That's 10 times, you know, and and we always slid the line, double teamed. And I can still remember Buddy Ryan. and "Yeah, hey, this guy in the LT, people talk about him. We got Keith Byers. He, he could handle him. <laughs> Keith Byers got humiliated. I got knocked out of the game. So about three weeks later, we get the Giants for the second time. Buddy in a meeting goes – Yeah, you know, we're going to slide a line over to LTI. So we should have did it three weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, he he was I mean, it's really hard to explain the talent that he had because he revolutionized offense. And I say why he did that, because you had to change what you do offensively when you played him. You know, Joe Gibbs will talk for hours about how he, the game plans and how he he molded his team and rebuilt his team in the offseason with multiple tight ends, tried to get LT out a little bit wider if he could. He'd have more people to block him. So LT came in with size, speed, quickness, and play with an edge that was, you know, uncommon to anybody. He was a, he was, he was a nasty player, but a fair player. And, and I will say this, because I am a golfer, and i see LT at all these golf tournaments in the offseason. We'd pair up every now and then. I think there were times he could have drilled me right in the back with his helmet and he would wrap his arm up around me mm. and take me to the ground because we were golfing buddies. So I worked him on the golf course. So he would take it like that.
0: Ron, I've got a couple last ones for you, too, as well. We opened this conversation talking to you about the Hall of Fame. And um, I was on the senior committee, I'm on the contributor committee. But I want to ask you about the senior committee because they have so many qualified persons seniors who are not in the pro football hall of fame i think at last count was 58 all decade players who are not in the pro football hall of fame many of whom and maybe most of whom don't even get an audience they just don't and and then they pass away if you were on that committee today i put you on and say i'm going to give you one senior you can choose for induction tomorrow do you have a guy you'd pick
2: yeah, I, I think it'd be Dick for meals a guy that, that that I've been. Oh, he's a contributor. Be a contributor. He'd be a contributor. a contributor, Yeah. Or um, coaches or coach right now. Yeah, but I, I I wish you'd give me some time to think about that. I don't want to make a knee-jerk decision. And, and well, I'm just, gonna give you a guy from Philadelphia.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna give you a guy from Philadelphia, a okay. little bit before your time, Al Wistert.
2: Oh yeah. The, I mean there's there's in fact you know, we could probably carry this conversation on to a lot of guys. And I remember the conversation we had, had in the top one hundred players of the NFL. Pete Pihos came up. Mm-hmm. And mostly you know, like Al Wister, Pete Pihos, people are going like, you know, late 40s, but, you know, was a dominant player of that era. Yeah. And so when you look at, oh, then you look at number, yeah, he only caught uh, 82 passes, but that led the NFL. And in second place, the guy caught 52. So there was just a huge disparity. It was a different era. Right. Now, if 82 passes now, you know, some slappy rookie catches that. And, you know, people say, oh, he had a, he had a, he had a great year. 82 was the best in the league, so that's why I say comparing eras in in that regard. Um, and certainly, you know, Al deserves it, and 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 Iris that I had discuss, discussed I was about. Dick for me, I you know, but I, I've always said this, and I made it, I make it crystal clear whenever I talk Hall of Fame guys, it's got to be special. I yeah, mean, that's right. I, I feel bad for guys that don't get in, but that doesn't mean they weren't great. They weren't what the, Hall of Fame has got to be special, and you guys need to keep it special. You can't let like you, you start off the show talking about all these first-time ballot guys coming in because they had great careers. But I think it to a certain degree, it diminishes the value. And you guys have heard it. Guys that have waited that fourth or fifth year to get in, they value it a lot more when they finally get in because they suffered that disappointment. And then they realize, hey, this is hard. And yeah. it should be hard. Don't diminish that, guys. Keep it hard. Jaws, we had a guy
0: this year, and you—you certainly aware of him, Clay Matthews. Yeah, Clay, Clay Matthews in his twentieth and last year of eligibility. It's his first time as a finalist in his last year of eligibility, mm-hmm. and he made it to the top ten. Unfortunately, he didn't make it to the top five, yeah. but now he slides into that senior pool, and the chances of him coming out are, are slim. They just are slim yeah. because of the odds, yeah. and and that's and that's sad.
2: But he's a great player. No, a no great player. Him, no question. But he's again. A, I think if you make it too easy, you diminish the value of being in the hall of Fame.
0: Yeah. And, and, um, and then lastly, I would ask you, we go back to what I asked you about uh, Dak Prescott, and, and he's now the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, speaking to a guy who was once the <laughs> highest paid quarterback in the <laughs> NFL. Um, I, I You, you, you are really in touch with what's going on in the league today, you know, history, but you know, what's going on today. And I guess what I'd ask you is a, are you good with that? Because B. Do you think this is a quarterback who can lift the Dallas Cowboys, which obviously are in the same division as the Philadelphia Eagles, to the next level? Is this guy someone that you feel confident could take you to a Super Bowl?
2: Yeah, I, I, I do. I think he has that kind of ability. Um, the the only area that I question about Dak has been his repetitive accuracy. He can make all the throws, but I think he misses too many throws that you have to make to really get to be a you know a, a, a world champion NFL quarterback and you know, I like guys to play from the pocket, to hone their skills from the pocket. Sometimes we look at too much of the runaround guys, the Patrick Mahomes. And hey, not that that's not the way to play the game, but Patrick Mahomes, as you guys know in the Super Bowl, got his butt kicked. Yeah, right. he got his butt kicked, man. That Buccaneer defense hit him on every play. And now he makes all these incredible, you know, Sports Center highlight films and all that. I just don't think for the long term, that's how you play the position. You're going to get hurt. Where did Dak get hurt? Running outside the pocket, right. going down the field. Um, you can get hurt when you play the game. But I like I like to see quarterbacks eliminate those whacks that you get in the course of the game. And I think at times Dak may leave a little bit too early from the pocket. I think as this game goes on, now he's had that year to sit and watch other guys play that position. I think he'll benefit from it. But he he clearly is he, he he's a top ten quarterback.
0: Ron Jaworski, thanks so much for the time. been a real pleasure. And Ira will catch the next plane up to Philadelphia. So <laughs> you can put him on the back nine
2: with you. I'm coming to Tampa, man. I know it's always nice down there. <laughs> Ron, uh, Ron, I
1: shot a 76 last week. And then, are you kidding? Then I made the turn. Then I made the
2: turn. Oh, I was, was going to say, man, you got to give me shots, my friend. <laughs> Ron, thanks so much. Really All a pleasure. Right.
0: Really, lots of fun. Always is. Thank hey, you. You guys thanks, are great. Ron. Love
2: talking ball, man. Thank you so much. Good Thank to be with you, me, Alex, you talking Ron. Ira. Good to me again. Uh, that was Ron Jaworski. Boy, it doesn't
0: get better than that, Ira. I, I love talking to Jaws. He's the greatest, isn't he? He loved talking and, to him.
1: And I love hearing what he had to say about the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I think he's right on. He, he's very involved in the history of the game. Uh, he's big on the alumni clock. He's done a lot of work with NFL alumni. That's, that's right. And, and, and he knows what's going on in today's game. That, that's, cool. <laughs> that's the signal for a weekly I
0: Was There saying. And you know what, Ara? It must be your turn because I hear all those Tampa fans cheering. And they must have seen the Sage T-shirt that you were wearing this week because
1: I did. You put it on social media, the Sage of Tampa, so they know what's coming. Well, Tampa fans aren't going to like this memory, Clark. They're Uh not going to like it. Uh And this is a game, Clark, this is a game that you might have attended. You might have been there. October nineteenth, two 2003, Candlestick Park. Week six, Bucks 49ers. The Bucks are the defending Super Bowl champions. Week six. Final score, 49ers 24, Bucks 7. 24-7. San Francisco. Four turnovers for the Bucks. They were never in the game. And it dropped Tampa Bay to three and three. But Ian Glendon needs to listen to this because <laughs> Clark, true story, six minutes left in the game, the Bucks hopelessly behind. John Gruden walks down the sideline, stands right in front of Keyshawn Johnson and asks him if he wants to go back in the game to, quote, pad your stats. Oh, <laughs> pad your stats uh Keyshawn finished with one catch for four yards uh nobody did much in that game um that is an indication Clark of what was going on between the two of them and by the end of the year Clark they suspended him they told him don't come around anymore you're gonna get paid but don't come around Clark they went four and six the rest of the way it was a poor defense of a championship but that showed you the relationship or the lack of one Clark between one Mr. Gruden and one Mr. Johnson.
0: I'm surprised that Keyshawn didn't say, just throw me the damn ball. You know, just <laughs> seems like John Gruden hasn't come a long way since then, though. I mean, he hasn't had a whole lot of success since that 2002 season. And that, that sort of beginning right there was 2003. And he really hasn't done a whole lot since then. He's won some games, but not a lot of big games. You know, Clark, the
1: very next week, I'm not making this up. The next week, the Cowboys You never came, make it up, Ira. You, you uh, never make it up. <laughs> Clark, the Cowboys came to Tampa, and before the game, Parcells was the coach, and you know the relationship between Johnson and and Parcells is tight, and before the game, Clark, Johnson raced across the field to shake (laughs) Parcells' hands, and... TV captured the whole scene, and you can imagine how that went down with Bruce. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> okay, thanks for sharing that with us, Ara. You got any final thoughts here today? Well, just I'm, I'm with you on Jaworski. We could have him on every week, Clark. We can talk about anything. And Clark, he's reinvented himself, uh, and he is yeah. now a very successful businessman. So hats off to George. Yeah, I think we could have him on every week,
0: except... Since you mentioned that LT thing, it sounds like he's not really interested.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, so he was our second guest this week, Clark. And and so we're uh, we're batting a thousand. Yeah, batting, batting a thousand. A thousand. I, I love
0: listening to him; I always did, and I, and I miss him on ESPN. Anyway, that's a wrap for this week. Our, our tell list is where they can find you on Twitter at i seventy six Ian? at ig thirty one. And at me, it's at at Clark Judge T.O.F. And if we don't hear from you there, as you know, you will hear from us here next week at, Ira, tell where? The eye test for two, Clark. You have it, the eye test for two. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week.